All right, guys, this is part two of the episode with Joe Plody of PSR Kennels. I also want to do a little bit of a shout out to Shooting Sportsman Magazine, Terry Bombeck, for, of course, making sure that I got my issue. Um, and, I, and I've been reading through it. But I do want to give a bit of a shout out to the author, Tom Davis, for the, um, the, the, the article, Something Other, A Few Thoughts on the Pointer. All right, number for two reasons. Number one, because a pointer named Annie on page 70 of this particular image, uh, of this particular magazine, I'm sorry, was shot by Jerry and Provento. And it's just such a beautiful shot of a dog that's gone and, 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 and I guess if you want to say striding away and chasing birds, you know, behind heaven's gates. Um, you know, that dog is a special dog. And I know Jerry wanted to make sure that it was not only photographed, you know, I, I guess beautifully and, and, and aesthetically, it just really adheres to what I think about a, a pointer, but also it's it's placed in the right article. You know, being a writer, there's some photos that you want, and, and, and the photographic process is almost as important as the literary process when it comes to you know, writing for these magazines and, and, and my role as an outdoor writer and I, and I continue to hope that I will be, a, you know, place a significant impact on, on the outdoor writing and outdoor literature scene when it comes to bird dogs. Well, knowing how all of these things come together, I just want to give a shout out to Shooting Sportsman for really giving this baby uh you know, the justice that she deserved. The rest of the article, guys, y'all gotta read it. It's phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. And it kind of piggybacks off of what Joe and I have been talking about in these two uh, podcast episodes. So, anywho, make sure you go get the, sport, the uh, Shooting Sportsman July and August 2019 issue. Go take a look at what it is that I'm talking about. Um, before we move on, I want to give a shout out, of course, to Dakota 283 Kennels, uh, Lion Country Supply, uh, the whole Northwoods Collective Gang, that's Endless Migration, that's Project Upland, you know, that's Morning Thunder Hunt, that's AJ DeRosa, that's Nick Larson, that's Jake Terry, that's Jennifer Wolpinski, that's Will Sensing, that's Chet Hervey, It, it, it's, it all just comes together. Edgar Castillo, another just monumental writer within the, the whole bird and upland bird community, guys. Matt Soberg. Anywho, I can go on for days. I just wanted to, you know, y'all you, know how I do. I just want to give my shout outs and things like that. But anyway, this is part two of Straight Bird Dogging with Joe Plody. Stay tuned. So, you know, back to your kennel setup, man. You know, what what happened? How, like, one day I'm, I'm talking to you and, and we were, you know, just chopping it up one night and the next day I look on social media and then you text me and it was like, yo, kennels are blown down. What happened? 
as far as I can tell, we had, you know, we get tornadoes up here, not very often, but often enough that it causes a problem. Right. And we get tornado-like weather up here quite a bit. And this this year has been some of the worst weather we've ever had that I can remember. Now, I don't think there was a tornado that particular night. All I know is I went to bed about 1130, which is a typical night for me. And I got up around 545, and my dog kennels had been basically picked up and flipped on their top and thrown about 20 feet. Yeah, like they were, they were scared. It looked like the Twister movie. It, it was it was the most disheartening situation I've ever been in. And mostly because, you know, I've been working on building this business for years and years. You know, mm-hmm. I've worked a lot of jobs um, and done this part-time before work and after work and, and saving up money to buy kennels and add to my business and just all gone in one night. That's wild, man. I mean, but you now in lieu of that, you recovered quick. I don't, I I don't slack, bro. I, I'm a go getter. Um, yeah, it took me about a week to, finally get everything put back together mm-hmm. from what I could salvage. Yeah. And that's on top of what I thought was a broken foot, my friend. Oh, dude, it, it was definitely broke. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sent me the pictures of that. Your foot was broke, dude. <laughs> oh, dude, that middle, I'm telling you, that middle toe, that still don't work right. Yeah, well, you know, again, <laughs> we talking about that grit when it comes to dog, you know, dog man, like you got to have it. Well, my granddaddy always said, if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. And I was definitely dumb when I broke that foot. So <laughs> Now, you were when, when you broke your foot, you were building, if I'm not mistaken, some puppy pens. Yes, I luckily found some for people that know there. There used to be this company called Scott, Scott's mm-hmm. Kennel, and they build above grit. They, they sold a kit. That was an above-ground kennel um, with metal flooring and metal sides and a special door up front. But you had to supply the lumber and, and build it yourself. And you know, I'm a pretty handy carpenter when I put my mind to it. So I got these this kit off a guy from Facebook. Um, the wood was all rotted to hell, so I had to buy new wood and, mm-hmm. and rebuild it. And, and my typical fashion, I'm doing it late at night by myself. You know, after having consumed a few adult beverages, we'll <laughs> we're going to call those beers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, beers. Quite a few of them. And I was trying to move it by myself. And it's, you know, it's a couple hundred pounds of treated lumber with uh, metal put onto it. And trying to get it out of my shop because once I built it in the shop, I thought, well, how the hell am I going to get this out of here? And uh, tried to move it, and I dropped the whole thing on my foot, my left, my right foot. And uh, dude, that, yeah, that thing slowed up perfect like a great man. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, you just keep grinding. You, you keep grinding. Well, I not that you know I should be inspired, but I, I looked at myself when you sit me. I was like, damn, Darrell, like. 
what are you doing with your life? Like this man is is still out training dogs. Like ain't nothing happened. <laughs> with, a, with, with, with clearly with very clearly broke toes now very well, when clearly fucking, when you a broke ass dog trainer that's got kids to feed you gotta do what you gotta do <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do <laughs> yeah. well I, I the, the closest thing I can say to that is you know I played soccer back in the day and I messed around and was an assistant coach for um middle school soccer team and I, I I was about to take a power shot on a middle schooler trying to show off why I thought I, I thought it was okay to take a power shot on a middle schooler and all the power went into that shot and and that that foot that was taking that shot went into the ground Ooh. and I heard the toe crunch I heard it crunch Oof. yeah and so to this day, and I never got it fixed. I was dating my wife and trying to be all tough in front of her, and uh, and and I never went and got it fixed. So that toe is definitely leaning to the side a little bit now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, isn't it funny how dumb we can be when there's a lady to impress? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, God, man. Well. All right, so now in, in in light of puppy pens, you, you're giving me a hell of a segue, man. Like, so you just got your son a, a, a an English uh, cocker spaniel puppy. Now his daddy is a damn good dog trainer. So, and I feel honored because you said you were going to get a gun dog notebook from me. But yep. in in that, it it still takes writing and documenting. So, how are you gonna train this young buck how to train a dog, man? You know, I, I've thought many a night about how I'm gonna do that. Um, I really just want him to kind of figure out his own way. Okay. And and if he has questions, let him know that he can ask whatever he wants. Um, give him enough material to read through or watch. Um, but let him kind of figure out it on his own. Okay. Um, I, I know what it's like to be micromanaged. Yeah. And it is not fun. I hate that. I cannot stand somebody standing over my shoulder watching me do something. Right. right. Or telling me how to do it when I know damn well how to do it. Um, even though he don't know what he's doing, but he's watched daddy enough that he's got an idea. Okay. And, you know, whatever dog savvy that I may or may not have, this little boy, this nine-year-old kid, he's got... Ten times more than I ever have. Oh, he's going to make you look like a kindergartner when he's your age, man. Shit, he's going to make me look like a fool. (laughs) So just now that we know that that's coming, your son is going to make you look like, like, I I hope that, you know, the gundog notebook is still going by then that I can interview your son and be like, all right, so... What what is all the stuff you know that your daddy didn't talk about on the last podcast? <laughs> what kind of nonsense did your dad teach you that you found out to be so wrong? Right. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, but isn't that the best part of, of of giving it to the next generation, man? It's it's 
coming from, and I know we've talked about this before, when I first got into this, you know, there were some people that helped me along the way, but for every one person that helped me, there was probably 10 that shot me down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to be able to just let him figure it out and help him when he needs it is, you know, the biggest thrill that that's going to be there for me. Right. Right. Um, I mean, and it's, you know, he's always been interested in what daddy does, whether it was dog training or hunting or fishing or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that little, that little joker, he's smarter than I will ever be. Well, I, I can't wait to see it, man. I can't wait. <laughs> I, I, I'm seriously, and I'm, you know, low key subconsciously hoping I'll have that same opportunity you know, with my little girl coming in August, you know, I want my daughter to be the best damn dog trainer ever, you know. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, I, and especially, we don't have too many women, you know, dog trainers in the game right now. No, and if you know a single one, send her my way. <laughs> I will definitely do so. <laughs> I will definitely do so. Well, we we and and all the more reason we need more because we just I just can't find you know you know women in the dog game like that now. Um, a good friend of mine, Jennifer Wapinski, she writes for Project Upland. She's definitely someone. If you haven't read her articles, um, you know she just talked about just wrote an article about um, getting birds. You know the difficulty in getting birds in the community, you know, and, um, for Project Upland. But, you know, I, I, you know, Joe, I, I hope that through my podcast, man, and you've definitely been a, a really good friend, man, and definitely been encouraging me to continue pushing on. You know, I hope that through this podcast, we do get more kids involved, number one. I don't give, I don't care what gender you are, but I really do want to see more women in the dog game. You know, we got, um, you and I were talking about her earlier, uh, earlier this week, Melinda Condon, FPPS gun dogs. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's another one that I think is really motivated, um, to, to, to get this good old thing going. And, exactly. And, the one thing you can tell about her, though, which is not the story for a lot of, you know, whether it be bird dogs or hunting or whatever on, in, you know, on social media, a lot of these women, you can tell they're just standing next to their boyfriend or husband's dog or yeah. boyfriend or husband's kill mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. taking pictures for likes. And right. you can tell that she has got a passion for that dog. Right. And they're getting out there and ain't no, ain't no boyfriend or nothing near. Like they're training no. these dogs themselves. Exactly. She she don't need it because she's got that drive in her to do it. Yep. 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 I that those are the things, man. And, and, and I hope I don't you know, I know she's listening to the podcast, too. But, you know, I hope that I ain't telling her nothing crazy. Um, I don't know, Joe, and I'm, I'm going to get to my next question. But somehow, some way I've found myself into giving dog advice. 
I don't know what in the hell I'm talking about. I just know what works for me. <laughs> I don't know. And, and and what happens is if I don't know the answer, I come and ask you. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think there is a um, maybe a rite of passage with these dogs. Like, I, I really think that it's it's kind of like all right being open to being wrong okay just straight up like being open to being wrong all right cuz i'd be wrong joe when i tell you i'd be wrong dude <laughs> what should work for a dog before i even go out and 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 you know respond back to a message I'll go out and try it with Vegas or Ruger and I'll be like, ooh, I'm glad you didn't say that. Because you was wrong. <laughs> so, I think my, my thoughts on that would be, especially new guys, and not, not to throw any shade anybody's way, but a lot, of, a lot of newer guys to the game, you know, they've been working one system with their one dog and it's worked. Mm-hmm. So they look at that as the end all be all. Right. And it, they throw that at everybody. And it comes off sometimes with certain people as a little off putting. And guys that have been in the game for a while can understand that they don't really know what they're talking about because they've worked one dog with mm-hmm. one system. And it's worked great so far, but they haven't run into any roadblocks yet. But that was that one dog. You get another dog, same. It could even be the same breed. Oh, it could be littermates. Yeah, and it's it does not work. No, it does not. And that's kind of going back to what we talked about earlier with my particular training method. You know, I do a lot of the same things with every dog, but you can approach it in different ways. It doesn't have to be the same way for every dog because not every dog learns the same way. Exactly. And that that one book that I sent you, Favorite Ways to Train Your Gun Dog, Mm -hmm. that has a lot of different methods of teaching different things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You got to have enough tools in your your work bag to throw at different dogs. Right. And and I think that's like, you got to damn near be Batman. Batman's utility belt to be a dog trainer, you know? Exactly. Exactly. You know, um But the only the only way you get that utility belt full of tools is by working dogs. Working dogs. So I I look back if I were to look back, I don't know if you ever because you haven't really been into the, the bird dog game as long as I have, but there used to be this website called Gun Dog Forum. Oh, yeah, I know that website. Yes. You know that website? Absolutely, yeah. Back in the, yeah. Back in the early 2000s. It's still around, but it's it's probably not what you're talking about, but go ahead. It's still around, but it's it's a little bit slower traffic than it used to be because there was no Facebook um, as, as we know it today. There was no Instagram. Um, if you were in the bird dog community and you wanted to share pictures, that's where you went. Right. And if I were to go back and look at some of my early posts from like 08, 09, you know, 2010, I would laugh my ass off at the idiot that was posting under my name. <laughs> and and but that isn't that what it's about though? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, 10 years from now, girl, you're going to look at some of the stuff that you've done and think to yourself, like, good God, why did I ever write that? But that's just part of the journey, that's you part know? Of the journey, absolutely. And, it's and part of the journey. And I think that's, you know, what it's about. All right, guys, just to take a little bit of a break from the podcast, I'm going to put you back on in a second. I just want to encourage you guys to go check out Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food. In light of looking at a dog and, and telling folks what you like to see and, and having a high 12 o'clock tail and all kinds of nice performance, you guys are going to get no fillers in this dog food. You're going to get the highest levels of protein, fat, and you're going to promote lean muscle and sustained energy. You're getting the peak optimum performance out of this dog, okay? Go ahead. If you need to look at my dog, check out how he's grown and how he's improved on the Yukonuba Premium Performance uh, dog food. Go check it out. All right, it's all over my social media and I definitely advocate for them. And just one more thing, their performance dog food has been validated in the sled dog world just to give you a little bit more proof in the pudding. So, as I always say, one of my favorite quotes, when the pavement ends and the truck doors swing open, your dogs are gonna be ready for anything. That's going to be because of Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food, so go check it out. We're talking about, you know, Gun Dog Forum and, and what that was for you. And like, like you just said, I'm going to look at, back at myself and say, what in the world? So let's talk about old school trainers, man. Let's, let's really get into that, okay? What do you think? I want you, matter of fact, I'm not going to give you the specific question because it, it, it just seems so contrived. Give me your thoughts on old school trainers, good and bad. There's a lot that we can learn from them, whether it be what to do or what not to do. Um, a lot of those guys didn't have the luxury of being able to pull out a Garmin and see where that dog was mm -hmm. or pull out, pull out an e-collar transmitter and, and, uh, you know, put a hurting on that dog for chasing deer or whatever it was doing. Right. So they had to use hands-on method. Some of those hands-on methods are really beneficial to the dog because they learn so much quicker from you grabbing a hold of them and showing them what you want. Some of those guys took it way too far. And when you hear people talk about, you know, dogs back in the day being so much tougher, well, the tough ones were the only ones that made it through the training program. <laughs> they were the ones that could take a whooping. Exactly. Yep. You know, the tough, the tough ones were the ones that could get, you know, peppered and be okay with it and still point birds. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we've talked about this before. I personally feel like I prefer a dog that's a bit on the softer side. Mm -hmm. Now, and, and you you explained that, I mean, damn well, because, you know, that even made me second guess who I am now. And also tell you why. With Ruger, I wanted the, the, the boldest dog. I remember telling uh, Melanie, his breeder, I want the boldest dog you got. And he was the biggest in the litter at the time. He probably ain't the biggest no more. But 
he was a big cylinder that bullied everybody out the football. He was sniffing and hunting and doing all this stuff. And then when I got Vegas, Vegas was the smallest little thing in his litter. He was actually the smallest. Like the when you saw him, you'd be like, "Damn, dude, is a dog dehydrated? Like, what in the world?" Um, <laughs> but Vegas got the most attitude. Me and my wife call it the Vegas eye. But he is just the meanest little thing when he want to be. He's a great house dog, but just the meanest little thing. Got the most attitude. So I think there's a stigma, especially for, for, for guys like me that come in and say, yo, a bold dog is, is going to be a good hunting dog. Why does a softer dog prove to you to, be, to, to make a better trainer? Now, this is just my personal opinion. Of course. That's why, I'll let that's everybody why know that. I know I'm going to get some hate for it. That's fine. That's why you're here, though. Exactly. I bring it on, boys. I don't care. Um, in my opinion, you know, them bolder dogs, the ones that are a little more hard-headed, a little faster charging, they're easier for a guy that's less experienced because they can take more pressure early on and roll with the punches. Yep. I agree. Now, my, you know, we talked about my first Brittany. He was not a dog that could roll with the punches. He was a dog that needed a soft hand and somebody that knew what the hell they were doing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I jacked him up. My next dog, who uh, she's, I've got her all over my Instagram. She was, Probably one of the best dogs I've, I'll ever have. Mm-hmm. She, but she was the biggest knothead, stubborn son of a gun that anybody ever met. She was a runoff dog for the first year and a half of her life. And by that, I mean she figured out how far away she had to get before the e-collar stopped. <laughs> wow. And she would go and bust every bird in the county and come back when she had her fill. Tongue hanging out, just as happy as can be. Mm-hmm. And at that point in my life, it was easy for me to work with her because she could take a little more pressure and still be excited to go to work. Right. And as I got more personal dogs and more experience and then started training some dogs for friends, and you realize that every dog is an individual and you have to fit the program to the dog you start to understand that if you show them what you want and you communicate with them in a way that they understand, you can get that soft dog to be just as well-trained as that hard-headed knothead that don't want to listen half the time. Mm-hmm. And you're not going ha- to have to use near as much force for that soft dog. You just have to go a little slower and be a little more clear with that dog. And in my experience, they retain training better. Because they're sometimes a little more focused on you and what you want and more interested in being a team member instead of a, you know, a solo practitioner. Right. right. And it, it, if, if, when I look at guys that are training, especially Mo, and we've talked about Mo a lot, mm-hmm. he really got famous. He, he used to work with a lot of Weimariners and Vishalas, which are notoriously hard to work with because their bloodlines got so jacked up for so long. Right, 
Right. A lot of those dogs have, you know, just social anxiety and all kinds of issues. Which, let me stop you right there, which is another ode to Melinda Condon, because she's working with a Vizsla. Um, it, absolutely. If she's got the patience <laughs> to work with a dog that, you know, genetically probably has, uh, you know, a foot behind the game for mm-hmm. most other breeds. Yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, I know she's listening. I want to put that out there. <laughs> Exactly. Good on her. You know, I, I got nothing wrong with those breeds. Yeah. You just you just have to realize what you're working with and adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You I'm, know, I mean, and I I even think that. Joe, let me be honest with you, Chief. Let me be honest with you. That's why I didn't get a short hair. That's one again one of those many reasons that I talk about why I didn't get a short hair. A pointer, and 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 you know us black folk down here now, right? You know we we good for a pointer now. You know we are. I don't. You know my my buddy Hunter Morton. He the only black folk I know with a German short hair, and I just think an English pointer, or as some people like to correct, a pointer, which I like to say, I adopt into my language. Um, that is a harder dog to me. Um, they are quote unquote built for tough. Absolutely. You know, um, but I, I just wanted to say that to say, um, cause I, I, I did want to include in, 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 and you correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I'm, I'm always here for that. These continental breeds, the dogs that are not from America or not originally bred in America, um, and I'm, I mean the pointer is not originally bred in America, but it's an it's it's an American dog to me. Um, well, but, you know, the pointer that you see here in America is much different than the dog you'd find in the UK or Europe. So right, right. At, at this point, the the pointer that me and you know and everybody else knows is a is. Um, an American it's breed. A, it's an American breed, but these dogs, the continental breeds, are 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 much softer than what we can do. Like little Vegas, I can put pressure on him all day, and he even, in my opinion, is a soft dog. Cause Ruger, Ruger be like, man, I'm with the shit. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? But Vegas, Vegas will get if I if I spin him one time, he like, yo, what in the world? You know what I'm saying? But I, I, I think you bring up a point. Those dogs, the Vizslas, the 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 short hairs, the Munsterlanders, the, the you know, all of those dogs, you're not gonna deal with those dogs the same as you're gonna deal with an American dog. On average, probably not. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, you know, there's outliers for every breed, and I've had just as many not head short hairs that wouldn't shut up in the kennel and, you know, stop busting birds as I have any other breed. But a lot of that comes back to the genetics of the dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of these breeds, you know, I I have a client that. That only buys close German breeding dogs that are considered DKs. 
You know, they've been, their parents were tested in the German system. You know, they're registered in Berlin and they're a completely different animal than an American red short hair. Right. I would, if it weren't for the intense fur drive, I would probably own a DK if I found one that I liked. Really? Probably. If it was quiet in the kennel and didn't bark when a leaf blew by the the front, I, I would probably own one. Okay. Yeah. The only thing, keep, like I said, the only thing keep me back is that intense fur drive because I don't want a dog that's going to come back with a, uh, you know, half a live raccoon or skunk. Right. And now, you know, that's, <laughs> you bring up another good point, Joe. That's why I didn't want a DK. That's why I didn't want a German short hair. And I think, an Americanized German short hair is different than a DK, a Deutsch Kurzar. Um, yeah. Just for listeners that, that are, are curious about the differentiation. There are American German short hairs and then you have the DK. Okay. Um, I, I love hunting small game, Chief. I do. But Vegas better not now once bring me anything with fur on it. Absolutely not. You know, if I wanted to go hunt fur with a dog, I'd get a cur dog, something that was bred for that. Yep. Yep. You know, I love I love squirrel hunting. I love coon hunting. You know, I eat, I I do a lot of trapping. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted a dog for that, I'd go buy one. But I don't want my bird dogs to be messing with that. Right, right. I'm not, you know, I'm not throwing any shade to the guys that like to, because, you know, I have clients that work in the NAVDA system. Mm-hmm. And their dogs, you know, they use them for, for whatever, you know. Right. Waterfowl, upland, tracking wounded deer, or, you know. Right. And so I, and, and, and I'm with that. I use my lab for that. Absolutely. You should. You know, so, ah, man, I, I'm, I'm really bugging your time, Joe, but you got me thinking. <laughs> um, hey, man, I got all night. Just keep rolling. I don't care. Okay. All right. Because you, you really got me thinking, man. And I, and I want to talk dogs and really push the bar on the questions. You know, what are we defining as a versatile dog? Because, you know, I think there's a, a, a an understanding that maybe the versatile dog points, retrieves, you know, steady to fall and retrieves fur too. But I use my lab, Ruger, for every damn thing. You know, Ruger has been there with me since day one. And he ain't about to point nothing. When I shoot something, he goes to get it. I think there is, there's a lot of different schools of thought on that. And, you know, I sent you that picture of my, my Brittany Jill that, you know, she would point rabbits and, right. and retrieve them. And I didn't care. Right. Um, there's a lot of people have an, an opinion on that. And a versatile dog is whatever it is in your mind to me. Mm-hmm. If you want a dog that'll point pheasants or quail or, or whatever game bird, and then you can go and sit in a duck blind and retrieve ducks. That good for you. If you want a dog that does those two things 
and we'll also bring back rabbits or, or whatever bird. Good for you. I, it's all in your mind. Whatever you consider to be versatile is versatile. Right. Right. Well, and I, I think, you know, when we come to versatile dogs, we really need to do that's it's it's almost an independent decision. There's no it seems to me there's no consensus decision on what that is, right? No, there's not. And in, in my mind, a versatile dog to me is a dog that I can put in any situation and will do what I ask it to do, whether it be come in the house and, and lay by my side or my feet and be quiet or go to the store with me or go pheasant or quail hunting or sit in me, sit with me in a duck or goose blind and maybe retrieve a couple things or, or whatever. That, right. To me, that's a versatile dog, dog that you can put in any situation and not have to worry about it freaking out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And see... You know, I and, and and so, man, and I'm getting to the the conclusion of my questions, but I, I keep branching out off. I call myself on my BS, but <laughs> I, you know, you really do have me thinking, man. Like, you know, I I would lose my mind if if Vegas brought back to me a squirrel or anything else right like i don't train him on nothing else but i'm also asking him to field trial i don't want him pointing mice i don't want nothing other than birds and i think a dog starts to adapt to that right absolutely as long as you you know because dogs are gonna point mice once in a while Mm-hmm. They're gonna mess. They're gonna mess with other stuff, and how you handle that situation is gonna determine how they're gonna, you know, go forward in the future with that situation. You know, if they're pointing mice and you just ignore them and keep walking, most dogs are just gonna leave that alone. And if they're pointing mice, it's probably because there's no birds in the area, so you just need to keep walking. Exactly. Exactly. If they're, if they're messing with fur, just ignore it. If you don't want them to mess with fur. And, and, and the bigger go. the bigger deal you make out of it is gonna either reinforce or discourage that behavior mm-hmm I think that's important to think about so now let's get over to Mo Lindley Mr. the Mo Lindley okay the, le- the man the myth the legend the man the myth the legend okay but I want to know how you interpret you know, those training practices because now I'm, I'm going to have Mo on, but Mo is deaf. So I've actually got to um, drive up to South Carolina um, and I'm going to have Mo on, um, you know, personally, like in, in person. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take me a little bit. It is. It's going to take me a little second. <laughs> but I think you are one of the best resources when it comes to, you know, the Mo Lindley, you know, technique, the method, and, and you've been a good resource to me with it. You sent me the pinch collar. I want you to talk about why that collar was so special and, and why I use it so much. And I also want you to break down 
the 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 crux of of Moe Lindley's technique. Well, let's we'll start with the collar that I sent you. Mm-hmm. That collar has been one that I've used to break or let's say finish to be correct, politically correct here. Right. Um, <laughs> to finish a lot of dogs and the dogs that I've finished that have gone on to title in something, whether it be AKC hunt tests or, you know, shout out to my buddy, Corey up in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I helped finish his, uh, his French Brittany Leo and Leo went on to be titled at the Brittany national championship. Nice. Um, to me, I, you know, I, I just felt like that collar had a lot of good mojo in it, had a lot of good training under it. So, you know, when we started talking about pinch collars, because I noticed um, the one that you had is different from the style that I prefer. Mm-hmm. I wanted to send you that one. Then I appreciate it. I do. I do. I'm glad you're using it. Because <laughs> if you, you can't tell, I'm using the hell out of it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's what it needs, man. It, the more uh, the more dog oil that it gets on it, the better it's gonna get. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you know that style of collar, I prefer. It's it's the style that you know Bill West would have used, Dave Walker would have used, and Mo Lindley uses. It's uh, it doesn't have anything you know any kind of buckle on it that Mm -hmm. separates it it's a one-piece collar um it when you tighten up on it and give a correction and you let go it goes back to the shape that it was so it releases pressure really quickly it doesn't bind up or get caught on anything to me it's just a superior pinch collar right right and i i will say so and i and i do want you to critique my dog practices after we talk about Mo Lindley. But mm-hmm. I do like the way that that collar set up. Um, and, and Vegas has become steady as hell on that collar. You know, um, and, and, and so talk about why the, the buckle makes a bit of a difference. The other, and I'm, you know, I know a lot of people use the, other style of collar that you have and I'm not, you know, I just prefer the style that I gave you. Mm-hmm. The, the collar that I gave you has, um, has a roller on the, uh, actual pivot point. And the one that the other one that you have has a, you know, like a, like a belt buckle. It has a, a spot where you can unhook it and take it apart essentially mm-hmm. to put it on the dog. I've found with those collars that, they, they they get hung up on that part, okay. depending on the size of the dog. Right. So if you're giving a correction, and dog training is all about timing. So when you give a correction, you, you need to be on time for that correction, and you need to be on time for the release of that correction. So if you're, you're working a dog on, you know, steady to flush, and you give him a correction with that collar, and it gets hung up, on giving him a correction that's no different than if you were to put your finger on the button of an e-collar and keep hammering that dog with juice and not being able to turn that juice off. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's why I prefer the other style of collar. 
Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Okay. Now, when you're talking about Mo Lindley's method, you know, break that down for the listener. Break that down for me. You know, why, and I know why it works for me so much. You know, I've, I've definitely been through the book, you know, up until the point that I've trained Vegas to. You know, why do we love that method so much? In my mind, it it works because it's so simple. There's no, you know, I know you, you love your barrel work and I don't discourage any barrel work because I use a barrel once in a while for just teaching a dog, you know, to keep its tail up or keep its head up. But right. for the most part with, you know, to keep it simple, it's about the, the Lindley method. You're just taking the dog out and you're working them on the foundation, which is using the pinch collar to teach them to stand up and stand still. That's the basis, the base of the method. Eventually you transfer that pinch collar correction to stand still with the e-collar and you work the dog on and around birds. And by that, I mean, you take them out into a field, you have launchers or releasers or planted birds or whatever. And you're teaching the dog that the pinch collar means, correction means to stand still. You do that in between birds. Then you put them on a bird if they're doing well in between the bird. And when the bird flushes, you correct them again. So eventually they understand that the cue to stand still is correlated to the bird. So essentially in the dog's mind, if that bird gets up and I move, I'm going to get corrected. So I need to stand still. Mm-hmm. If none of that is in the dog's mind coming from the trainer. It's all coming from the bird. So when you break it down to that simple form, the dog learns faster. It retains it better. You don't have to use any woke command. And when you get into the higher levels of training and the dog associates the e-collar neck with the pinch collar correction and the bird flying in the air, you can use the e-collar right on birds. And the dog understands that he's getting corrected for moving his feet and not making a negative association with the bird. Gotcha. Okay. Now that that's the most simple explanation that I can give for it. You know, I, I mean, I do train dogs for a living, but I'm definitely, I, I don't consider myself a pro because there's guys like Mo Lindley out there that make me look like an idiot. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why we look up to Mo, but. Exactly. He, that, that guy has a connection with these dogs that is one in a, probably a billion. Well, you got to understand he, he's deaf, dude. Like he's communicating in a dog and with a dog and in ways that we're never going to understand. Absolutely. He takes that, that foundation of the West method, you know, that Bill West and Dave Walker perfected to a whole new level because he can't hear anything Mm -hmm. and there's no point in talking to the dog. Right. Right. All his commands are nonverbal and dogs learn that and retain that faster than anything else. So what, what are, 
let me ask you this. What are the major differences, if you can kind of give me a summary, of Dave Walker, which is, has influenced you a ton? What are, uh, and I ain't going to even say the differences. I don't want to get into that. What are the big takeaways? Let's talk about that. Between Dave Walker, Maud Lindley, and, and, and Weston Gibbons. Well, essentially, the only difference between Moe and, you know, Dave and and the two Bills would mm-hmm. be that Moe uses bird launchers and bird releasers. And he's used, he's figured out a way to use those that nobody else really figured out. Right. And, you know, at the time that the West Method or Walker Method, whatever we want to call it, was being perfected and, and created the kind of bird launchers that they had available and the technology just wasn't there. Okay. They were, they were loud, you know, they, they didn't have electronics for the most part. Um, and you can really spook a dog with, with a bird launcher if you're not careful and know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And th- that's really the only difference that I see is that Mo uses bird launchers and he's, he's perfected it. Okay. And, you know, West and Gibbons and Walker, they used a lot of carded pigeons and then they would transition from carded pigeons to, you know, loose game bird that they flew out of a Johnny house or wild birds. Right. And when, you know, when we're talking about carded pigeons, we're not talking about tame homers that will let you pick them up out of the coop. They were using a lot of wild-caught pigeons. Right. No, they did. Now, it, it, explain a carded pigeon on a on a on, I guess, applied to a wild pigeon. Okay. So a, a carded pigeon, we, we take a piece of cardboard or, a, you know, you could use – I've used Frisbee when I didn't have any cardboard handy. Mm-hmm. Just, something, just something that is appropriate to the size of the bird that's going to limit the bird's flight to where if you throw it out and Dave used to call it air washing the bird where you, you know, you dizzy it a little bit and throw it so that your human scent gets off of it. Right. That by the time the dog comes, the bird comes to and realizes where it's at, that if you work a dog on it, it can get up and fly away. But that card, whatever it may be, drags them down so they can't fly completely away and go away. They have to land back down in the field somewhere. Right. And then with a, a bird that's been carded, you know, I like to use pigeons for that. If I'm doing, you know, pointing drills, you can use that bird over and over again. Which works well for guys like me. I know you sent me the the pigeon uh, pen diagram, but until I get that built, you know, I keep my pigeons in, in probably what you would consider your puppy kennel. Absolutely. That, you know, that little pen that you got, it's adequate for you for right now. It's for right now. Yeah. It, you know, going down the line to do serious pointing dog training, you need to have reliable homers Mm -hmm. in a good size coop that will get up and and get out of Dodge and go back to the coop. Right, right, right. For, you know, for carded pit, for using carded birds, um, if you don't have a homing coop, that that works really well. You know, I've told you I like to use carded birds for um, introduction to gunfire, 
um, for fixing dogs that are, are gun shy or, or scared of birds, something that limits them enough to where if, if I need to build that dog's confidence up, he can go and catch that bird. Right. They feel like they can catch it and stuff like that. Now, exactly. Now, all right. So we're gonna we're gonna transition slowly into your critique of me, but you know, Vegas was catching birds for a second, and I pulled them off, and I and I think we both agreed to just pull the dog off birds altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 that helped a ton. Now, what are some of the hazards that you have to worry about with carded birds? The first would be them being able to catch them before the dog has established a point. Mm-hmm. If that dog catches a bird after the, it is pointed and the bird has flown away, I don't really care. Because it already established a point, the bird flew away, um... I'm, you know, it's usually a young dog that I'm trying to work on getting used to birds or getting used to gunfire or a dog that I'm fixing. I don't care if he catches it after it's flown once. If the dog catches it before the bird is flown, then you start eroding that pointing instinct. Mm-hmm. And you can really get into trouble and have a lot of problems to fix later. Gotcha. Okay. So... You know, with a carded bird, you know, I, I I probably want to tell my listeners, like, yo, if your dog is catching birds young, stop it early. Absolutely. Is, is, if they're catching them before they fly, I would say stop it right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take them off birds. If that bird is flying and then they catch it, I'm not so worried about it. Right, right. Well, they've established, again, as you said, David, what you're looking for is the establishment of the point. All right, will he point? Absolutely. You know, now, now I've got a dog, Vegas, that has gotten bird-wise, so he'll point Bob Whites all day. But pigeons, he feels like he can catch them. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I think you need to be wise about that too. And I just pulled him off altogether, and he started repointing pigeons. Absolutely, that would be a situation where if the dog, you know, they're smart, they're a, a lot smarter than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. He figured out the game you were playing, right? And he was he was starting to beat you at it. So you took him off birds. Give him a little break, and then you put him back into a situation where we're not going to let him catch those pigeons anymore. And that's where launchers would come into that. Exactly. There we go. There we go. You've been using your carded birds. You know he's good with birds. He's not scared to let them slap him in the face with their wings. We broke him to gunfire. Carded birds are done. No more carded birds. Go to launchers and letting them birds fly away so that he can't catch them. Right. And and you see know, the, and, and I think there's merit to that though. You know, with with a dog that's at that point that's starting to get bold on birds, I think it's okay if you gotta take a month off. Like me, I've I, you know, to be honest, I've gotta take a month off to make sure I got my ducats in a row to make sure I buy me a nice launcher, right? Mm-hmm. 
That's yep. actually okay for the dog. It that's not going to hurt them at all. It's it it's something. You know, like if you were doing a train retrieve with him, and you took a month off, that is going to totally break everything that you started. Right. But he's at a point now where he's young. We're just learning new things, introducing him to stuff. You take him off birds for a while, it don't matter. He's still got that fire and that drive to go out and find him and point him. Let him have a break. Right. It ain't it ain't going to hurt nothing. Mm-hmm. 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 I, I appreciate you saying that. Now, you know, some, some of the wrap-up for the podcast. What is your, because you be the first person that I'd be quick to send a, a, a picture or a video to, mm-hmm. what is your, you know, and, and, and I think everybody on this podcast or listens can look at my social media and know where I am with my dog, right? Mm-hmm. What's your critique? My only critique, because I don't like to tell people what to do for the most part, would be, I see a lot of him sight pointing. Mm-hmm. My only critique would be to knock that business off. Okay, fair enough. Start letting him hit, letting him use his nose. I would not want him to see another bird until after he smelled it for probably the rest of his training until you're getting him to a point where he needs to be steady even if that bird is walking underneath him. Okay. Let him use that nose. God gave it to him. He needs to use it. Okay. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. But, uh, I mean, other than that, I everything looks good. You're giving him breaks. You know, you're working him. He's being a puppy and having fun. You're getting some work in. The results speak for themselves, man. Yeah. Yeah, that video you that video you sent me earlier today, phew, loved it. <laughs> I I appreciate it, man. I um, and and even the sight pointing thing, man, like that that probably goes into why I pulled him off birds. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And 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 I'm not talking about you know on the barrel and throwing a bird out in front of him, right? Like that's. I'm working no, on a, I'm working on a totally different, different. Obje- objective. Yeah, that that whole you know putting him on a barrel and throwing a bird out in front of him that's completely different. Right. He's up off the he's up off the ground. There's no chance for him to be able to smell it. Mm-hmm. You're what, just working on him being steady, no matter what the distraction is out in front of him. Right. Right, 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 right. We put that dog on the ground and start putting him into opportunities where he should be smelling for birds instead of looking for birds. That's a whole different ballgame. Right, right. And so that's going to be my next, um, you know, batch of work, right? Like when I take him out to the field, and that's why I want to get that bird launcher too. If If he's not, when I see that dog, that dog's tail going up, you know, and, and he's starting to get birdie. I'm going to go ahead and pop that flusher. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, you've been reading that Mo book. That's Mm -hmm. the whole part of it. You take him into the scent cone and if he don't 
point is when you know he should be hitting center. Pop that bird. Yeah. Yeah. Get him up on his toes. Let him know that if he hits scent and he does not stop, that bird is going to be gone. He's going to get corrected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for it, man. And and that's, of course, you, you're going to get it <laughs> firsthand. So I know, I know you ain't going to hold back from me. <laughs> I'm here for it, bud. I'm here for it. Send it all, man. Okay. All right. All right. Well, you know, while we're, you know, concluding the podcast, man, I want to make sure folks know where to contact you. If And I, and I know people will, will want to get in touch with you for dog training or, or even just generic questions. How do we get in contact with you? Uh, Instagram, um, you know, my... My handle is, and I didn't correct you earlier, but my last name is actually pronounced Plody. Plody. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, dude, it's all good. I've been dealing with it since kindergarten. <laughs> uh, my Instagram is uh, jplody underscore PSR Kennels. Um, uh, Facebook is just Joe Plody. Um, I don't have a website or anything. I mm-hmm. work mostly off of word of mouth. Okay. Um, if somebody wants to send me a message, you know, I'll be more than happy to give my phone number out. Yeah. And I'll direct them to I, you as well. Yeah. I, I love talking dogs. It don't matter if you want to bring your dog to me for training or not. I love talking dogs. That's my biggest passion in this world besides my kids. Well, I cannot thank you enough, Joe. I mean, you've helped me a lot. Um and I really think that we really opened up the conversation about a number of things, gun dogs and, and bird dogs. You see what I'm saying? Um, Absolutely. I, I really think that we opened up the conversation with it. So thank you, man. <laughs> to say the not, least. But, you know, this has been uh, a pretty eye-opening ride you know getting to know you over the last couple weeks or months or however long it's been yeah 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 it's uh it's it's funny because we're you know we're the same generation um we're hundreds of miles away but we're the same damn person exactly dude i i can i don't think if i don't think i've met anybody else that identifies with a lot of my ideologies and, and, and things like that as I have with you, you know, you've got more experience. So you've damn sure been straightforward with me and be like, yo, that ain't working chief. (laughs) (laughs) That ain't working. You might want to think of something else. (laughs) Yeah, man. You know that I told you that story about the, the first field trial I ever went to. I had, I went with my dog, Jill, Mm-hmm. And uh, shit, we we just bombed out of it. You know, the judge was like, "Just call your dog and and go back to the truck." Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was a guy there that I was actually I wasn't braced with him, but he was the the brace before me. And I asked him, I said, "Hey man, you got any advice? You know, my dog was doing this, doing that." And uh, he just looked me straight in the eye and said, "You know, if I if I help you with that, you're probably going to beat me next weekend." <laughs> you know, Joe. Yo, let let me say this. I love competition. I'm here for oh, it. 
Me too, man. <laughs> I, I was a football player and a wrestler, and and I'm all for it. But I, I that really formed an idea in my mind that you know it doesn't matter if if somebody needs help if they're gonna beat me the next weekend. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. That knowledge needs to be passed on and. There's such a huge gap between the last generation of bird dog guys and us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That gap is there because that that last generation didn't care about helping us. Right. Uh, Yo, I'm glad you said that. Seriously. Yeah. They did not have the foresight to understand that if they do not help us, this tradition is not going to keep going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for you know, for guys that weren't raised into it, you know, my dad didn't have bird dogs, and I have bird dogs. I want my sons to be in that, and I want them when they get to my age to help people. Exactly. Keep on going, my friend. Keep look. Give exactly. me, give me everything you I, got. If I can help you, and you can help somebody else, that's just gonna keep paying it forward, man. What you were talking about is just. Super real, man. And and I want to just kind of, you know, follow that up. Like, you're somebody that I, I hope to have on the podcast more often, um, you know, and, and, and really get, like I said, down and dirty with bird dogging, man. Like, just, just really talk about training as it needs to be talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really cut the shit with me. <laughs> and I appreciate it, man. There's no need to sugarcoat nothing. Look, I I, 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 I say if you sprinkle sugar on shit, it ain't going to taste no better. And you know what, man? You know that it comes from a place of love and not hate. You know I'm all about what you're doing. So well, that's what matters. That's exactly what matters, man. And... And and that's the point of the gun dog notebook, dude. Like you have been, you know, when you reached out to me, it was kind of like, hey, maybe you want to think about, you know, this. And even then, I felt like, all right, okay, like I, I'm 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 I might need to check myself on that. Like, cool, you know. And and it's and it's it's I think as bird dog trainers, man. You know, we really need to think about the ability to listen to folks that know better, man. And that's why I I said to you earlier, like, yo, you're not an old school trainer, but you got old school ways, man. And, and, And you know, and I think people really need to listen to you. Seriously. You know, I I wouldn't I I I I'm I'm not telling Olachi. (laughs) you know i think you know there's a lot of folks out here there's a lot of this new school bird dog training stuff that's out there but there are folks that been doing this before us that know better you seem to have a grasp on it and have modified it to to make it fit towards millennial folks like us and and the guys that that are you know, we, we might not have been born into it, but we damn sure trying to learn it, you know? Absolutely. Um, you know, the, like you said, the millennial shit. Yeah, I'm not, I don't look like your old school dog trainer. I got tattoos everywhere. My ears are pierced. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Got a big old beard and a beard belly. <laughs> you look like a millennial, like, Joe. <laughs> exactly. I'm a millennial to the T, and I hate saying that, but you know what? <laughs> I'm on it. I don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. But being a millennial, we have to understand there's a lot of stuff we can learn from those guys mm-hmm. that came before us. Mm-hmm. And I think our generation understands that better than any other generation. Yeah. We've talked, we've talked about that a lot, that, you know, our generation sees what the past generation did wrong, but we know that we are the ones that are in the position to fix that so that our kids don't have to pay the price that we're paying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, just as far as bird dogs or land management or whatever, it doesn't matter. We are the ones that are going to have to put in the hard work, prove ourselves, and make this better for everybody. Yep. And, and, and we are going to leave the trail. You know, our kids shouldn't... Theoretically, our kids should not have the same conversations as we're having right now. They shouldn't. No. Unless Absolutely it's about not. breaking the bird dog. You know, I mean, I think that's going to remain a constant... But they shouldn't be worried about habitat and where to find birds and how to get access to birds. They, they, no, their problems should be how to train a dog. Absolutely. Their, their problems should be how to train a dog and, you know, what shotgun do I want to buy? There you go. There you That's go. it. There That's you. it. It's, the landscape has changed so much from, when I started getting into bird dogs, you know, back in 05, 06, um, I could walk out my back door and be on wild pheasants in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that wasn't that long ago. And to think about how much farming practices have changed just from then to now, it's crazy. Absolutely. And we we gonna figure it out. Somebody's gonna figure that out, man. And you know, I really hope I really hope we do before there's a major crisis, which sometimes it feels like we're already in one. I you know I got faith in the Native American practices, dude. You know I, I I do, and you know humans act stupid, but when it comes to our survival. (laughs) <laughs> we gonna do what it takes to survive. I think the 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 when we talk about old school, I think the Native American practices of of conservation are going to resurface, and we gonna figure it out. You know that's why you've got organizations, you know, like Project Upland, Tall Timbers, you know, down here in Georgia. That's why you've got you know quality bird. Uh, bird dog trainers such as yourself that grew up on farms and stuff like that. You know, that that generation isn't going to go anywhere because, hell, the world knows how to recycle itself. Absolutely. And, and just look at the, the management practices that have changed. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I listened to the On the Wing podcast quite a bit. The Excellent podcast. podcast. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. And just look at their management when they talk about CRP, it used to be just all grass. Mm-hmm. 
or corn and sorghum or milo. Now it's a pollinator, yeah. you know, planting flowers, sunflowers, milkweed, whatever. We've realized that what we were doing may work in the short term, but in the long run, it ain't shit. Right, right. And, and, and I mean, I think it, you know, for human beings, man, we got to realize that we don't we don't own this. No, we don't own this at all. Like this is this is borrowed and you can leave it the way you found it. Or you can leave it better than the way you found it. AJ always talks about that. Absolutely. You know, it, when it boils down to it, we're just house plants with complex emotions. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we are. We need water and sunlight and a little bit of food. Yep. And we we just need to realize that this big world around us is going to keep us alive if we take care of it. Absolutely. We got to take care of it. And, and it is our forefathers... You know, they raised bird dogs damn well. They did. They 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 basically took the work ethic off of them crazy pointers that were around <laughs> before us. You know, the 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 lack of technology, the the one button, you know, uh Tritronics collars, they 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 were the ones that did that. But now it's our jobs to figure out how these superior bird dogs, you know, work within and work and operate within this habitat that we're losing and how mm-hmm. we as human beings are going to be the ones that not only restore the habitat, but maintain the traditions of these bird dogs, you know? Absolutely. You know, like Ron Bain says this all the time, they quit making land a long time ago. Yep. Yeah, a long time ago. A long, long time ago. It's our job to preserve what we have left and make it better. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if we ain't doing that, we're going to have no reason to keep these dogs. Right, right. We ain't going to have no no reason to keep the dogs, no reason to, 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 to keep these shotguns. I don't care how expensive your shotgun is. I don't care if you shoot it side by side. If you ain't got nothing to shoot it on, it don't matter. No. It, 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 it'll it make my uh, my Mossberg 500 a mantelpiece real quick. <laughs> real quick. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, Joe, like, I... This is not going to be the first, okay? Like, this is probably just a really long podcast. But this is damn sure not going to be the first, my friend. Um, You've taught me a ton. You know, I I hope that the listeners have gathered a ton from you, which I know they did. Um, So, you know, what's one thing that you want to leave the listeners with before we wrap up? Just be patient. Okay. This. You know, training a dog is not a foot race. It's a mar- It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Take your time. Learn as much as you can. And just be patient. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I think I can accept that. And I need to take that into my own lessons, man. You can... You can if you responded to me when I send you these photos and videos of, of, of a little old Vegas... <laughs> <laughs> 
He said, hey, bro, just be patient. <laughs> I'll take that. Exactly. <laughs> I, eat it, I eat it up, man. Seeing you, just, I can hear it in, in your text how excited you are about that dog. And it mm-hmm. just makes me, takes me back to when I had my first dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. Well, guys, I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. I've, I've got nothing left. I like feeling like I have exhausted a podcast, and I, I, I like feeling like, you know, Joe has given everything you need to know, man. Like I said, we getting down and dirty with bird dogging, man. If there's any questions that you got that we did not cover, because I feel like we covered a lot, Joe. I, I feel like we did, man. I, I, I feel like we covered a lot. You know, we reached two hours and 38 some minutes. If yeah, you bro. need, if, if you needed to reach out, please reach out to Joe. That's Joe Plody underscore. <laughs> okay, I got your name right that time. Um, that's Joe Plody underscore PSR Kennels. That's Point Shoot Retrieve Kennels. All right, you can find them on Instagram. You can find them everywhere, man. Like, this is the dog trainer you need. Don't call me. You need to call Joe. <laughs> because if I ain't got the answer for you, I'm going to just call Joe. So, you know, take 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 the horse to the water. Anyway, um, guys, that is another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook podcast. And, man, just stay tuned for another episode. But, but soak this in, all right? I'm going to give you guys... I'm going to give you guys two episodes, all right? Part one and part two of Joe Ploidy, all right? So, anywho, I'll catch y'all next week.